0: okay you ready to roll
1: yeah cool running with jake the podcast on this episode i stood up next to michael phelps or going further back against ian thorpe and whether it was defeatist or not i knew i wasn't going to win but my mindset was let's see how close i can get to them running with jake the podcast because every runner needs the occasional plot and here's your host jake lowe Welcome
0: back. Can you not cough, please? When I'm about to do the show opener, you Sorry. just coughed. Sorry. I was about Sorry. to. I was about Sorry. to welcome people to the show, and you coughed.
2: I didn't mean Can to you? cough. Right. Let's let's um. Right. Okay. Start go now? again. Okay. Just go. And here's your host, Jake Lowe.
0: It is now? running with Jake at the podcast. Welcome <coughs> back. <coughs> Quiet, please. Sorry. This. Is your weekly dose of running motivation? We are firing on all cylinders. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And every episode, we will be taking one of your questions and helping you to get the most out of the sport running. And it's hashtag Ask Jake. So if you've got a question, hashtag Ask Jake, and we will be taking one of those questions and answering it for you every single episode. Pete, I am in a super positive mood today, more than normal, because yesterday for me was pretty groundbreaking. Now, it's Monday when we're recording this, Uh, the classic long run at the weekend, which most people do. Yesterday, I planned to run in Bristol. I was just going to hit the city, which is what I've been doing for uh, several weeks now. Those of you that follow me on Strava, you'll see my updates blasting around the city. I love it, real good vibe in Bristol. But yesterday, I was like, I'm going to hit the trails, I'm going to go off road.
2: My first off-road run since Ankle Gate, since I ended up in the hospital. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. How long ago was that? I lose track of that because you, you went over on your ankle, ended up in hospital, was off you were, you were off your feet for quite some time in the moon. Yeah, booth. yeah, proper walking
0: boot and everything. It's weird, isn't it, where time flies. That was back in March, so training for Manchester Marathon. Before we knew, right. obviously, it was going to be postponed and then... Postponed again or cancelled, and uh, that's next year now. But I mean, mm. yeah, I, I was out for several weeks uh, running, and it, it's so frustrating. I did a few weights and things like that, but you know, it is difficult when, uh, as, as all runners know, when we get injured, there's a high injury rate with the sport, and when it happens, we're like, oh man, I just want to get back out there. All of a sudden, we don't care about pace, we just want to run.
2: Yeah, I understand your positivity there, actually, because I do remember we had a conversation one night, not on the podcast, but we were just chatting, and you said, man, I might never be able to run off-road ever again. I really enjoy it. And you were like properly, properly gutted. So I'm really glad that you're back on it, man. That's brilliant. Yeah, thanks, man. I genuinely
0: love the off-road and even if... And and by the way, off-road as many people listen to the show that do run off-road will know, not all off-road routes are created equal. We can just run kind of light trails and stuff and get off the road, quite literally. Uh, but also you can go kind of deepest, darkest Peak District or down here in Somerset. We've got the, the Downs, which is fantastic, around Bristol. And it's just, the Mendips is stunning around here. But you don't have to necessarily run on, like, super aggressive terrain. But sure. I, was, I was pretty scared, you know. I was, like, I was really nervous about about getting out there, putting those trail shoes on again because obviously I didn't I didn't want to go over on my ankle again
2: I saw a thing on your facebook and as a non running guy I don't understand any of this at all but I saw you standing on a, what to me looked like a an underinflated football and I presume that was some kind of ankle thing ah,
0: that you were God, doing yes yeah that's here this is, is my um this is this is my Aldi special you know Aldi what every thursday they have like the special yeah look at this look at this look what is this it? is a uh, this is like a wobble cushion, effectively a balance cushion. So yeah, it is like an underinflated uh, football. Yeah. But this is designed to improve your single leg balance and stability. So I've been standing on that one leg and balancing. I've been timing it for a minute, then doing the other leg and and just switching between. And I do ten minutes a day. I only started last week, <laughs> beginning of last week. To be you're fair,
2: you're like a stork. You're like one of them birds. <laughs> just but, but you know, This is this is the thing.
0: This is the thing, Pete. Right? And you, in all seriousness, you're starting to get an idea of this now. You you. Got into a bit of running, as you know, doing 5Ks and stuff, which is awesome. I'm so proud of you. Injury is such a big concern for runners. We're speaking with Ross Davenport today on the show. We've got a great show lined up for you. This is an uh, Olympic swimmer. It's so good to catch up with him and and get an idea of all the things that he's experienced, the highs and the lows and the setbacks and frustrations and his drive to become an Olympic champion. But he's got into a bit of running now. And Has the he? biggest difference, yeah, yeah, the big one of the biggest differences for, uh, for, for Ross, it was like a real wake-up call, is, man... Injury. I've got to be careful of injury. Like yeah, normally, yeah. when I'm swimming, people don't get injured. Yeah, a couple of shoulder tweaks here and there, but mm. nothing like running. So, spending a bit of time doing the stuff that you know is going to help you run, I believe, is really important. As a coach, I don't always practice what I preach. I'll be very honest with that. Mm. But recently, I've been right. Do you know what? I really want to improve my balance. I don't want to go over on my ankle again. I want to increase my confidence. Because, like, yesterday when I was running on the trails... I loved it, but I couldn't I didn't feel completely free because I was thinking about my ankles all the time and thinking where I place my feet. Mm. And for anybody listening to this that is coming back from injury, you'll know that you go out there and those first few runs you're like, Oh, is, is everything okay? Is my my hips okay? Or that knee pain that I've been experiencing for the last six months, is that still there? And it kind of takes away your enjoyment. So building your own little routine that might just be 10, 15 minutes a day, like for me, it's the balance cushion stuff. Which works wonders, I think can really help keep injury at bay and and ultimately improve your ability. Hmm. So running's a skill, right? If you improve your ability to run, so you develop that skill, what happens? As your ability increases, so does your enjoyment. We tend to enjoy things more in life that we feel we're quite good at. Guess what? I don't particularly love swimming. I didn't mention that to Ross. No, but no, I don't no. particularly love swimming. And the reason why is because, guess what? I'm actually not very
2: good at it. Yeah, so yeah. it's a
0: real effort for me to get across the water. Well, I don't really enjoy we...
2: running because I'm not very good at it. But I certainly don't enjoy swimming because I'd, I'd sink. I can't swim, man. I'm non well, there, there go. I'm too dense of body. And what <laughs> happens is I is I drop to the bottom like a brick. Do you know what we should do, Pete? We should fill you with air like an Audi Special balance cushion. <laughs> then you'll be
0: floating across the pool like nobody's business. You enjoy a swim or go through the roof, I'm telling you.
2: Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation, out every Wednesday. Never miss an episode by subscribing now. Right now, we're speaking
0: to Ross Davenport. He's represented Great Britain in the Olympics in 2004, 2008, and 2012, if I'm not mistaken. One was clearly not enough for him. He's represented the country, European and the World Championships as well, Commonwealth Games. I mean, the list just goes on. We, we need to extend the length of this episode, Ross, just to fit all your achievements in, man. I mean, it's, it's crazy. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, really well, thank you. Really well, thank you. It's great to chat to you, you know. I mean, th- yes, this is. A running podcast, and it's it's your weekly dose of running motivation, but it's great to speak to different people at different levels. Obviously, when you were at the top of your game back in the day, it's great to, to sort of find out how people in different sports uh deal with all those different challenges and setbacks and uh, uh, make those achievements to, you know, work towards their lofty goals. First of all, I've got to ask, I mean, when we're recording this, we are still, I don't know, are we in lockdown? It's kind of semi-lockdown. Things are easing a little bit. If you're listening to this now, pools will probably be open. Has that had an impact on you massively? Are are you still swimming at the moment? Obviously retired now, but do you still hit
1: the pool, Ross? It's interesting that, you know, obviously you've just said about some of the achievements in, in swimming and being close to the top of the game in, in swimming. Um, and yeah. yes, it, obviously it is a, a running podcast and that's something now that I try and do a fair amount of is running. But it's interesting that you can sure. go from the top of your game to the bottom of your game in running. So, you know, it's, it's for me it's, it's a new sport that I'm learning and trying to keep fit and do things the best in, in my ability. I, I retired from swimming back in 2012. And I swam... So this was after London? Yeah, after London. I swam a couple of times, maybe a year. Um, We used to do a lot of swim clinics or swim demonstrations. And I work for a swimming company now that promotes swimming equipment. So I'd I'd get in the pool and demonstrate equipment as well. So I wasn't swimming regularly, but I was actually, I was in contact once every six weeks in the pool. Um, But around about October time last year I'd actually got injured running and I actually went back swimming probably two three four times a week and my swimming was improving rapidly from where I started in October and I was so far behind where I used to be those seven eight years ago um, almost unrecognizable and you have to kind of completely switch off your, your memory and I used to be able to do this in such such a time. And it's like, yeah, but that was that was eight years ago. That those days are long gone, um, and it was all about new challenges and, and new PBs in, in in training. That must be really difficult, you know, to be where you were, a triple um, in the Olympics,
0: two thousand four, two thousand eight, two thousand twelve, to go from that to then not being anywhere near that level, as you put it, sort of kind of almost starting over in some respects, albeit, you know, for most recreational swimmers, (laughs) far ahead, I'm sure, that must have been really hard to make that mental switch. I mean, we we all sort of compare ourselves, don't we? I mean, you mentioned you running podcasts, but actually I really want to get into your swimming. I'm fascinated by it, and I think our listeners will be as well. And, you know, competing and and driving and achieving goals is the same thing, irrespective of what vehicle we choose to kind of uh, Mm -hmm. use to get us there, if you like. But, you know, I know there's people that, yeah, people I coach that run they come back from an injury and then it's like they've had several weeks out and oh I'm not where I used to be and they're finding it really hard how did you kind of overcome that because it must have been really humbling when you, you got back in the pool
1: I don't think you do overcome it if I'm honest all the way through my swimming career I was very realistic and you know there's a couple of occasions where I stood up next to Michael Phelps or going further back against Ian Thorpe and I, whether it was defeatist or, or, or not I knew I wasn't going to win. And it was more of that being realistic that I'm probably not going to win. But my mindset was let's see how close I can get to them. When you come out of the pool and I hadn't won, I wasn't deflated and I wasn't demoralized that I hadn't beaten this superstar of a, of a swimmer because I was realistic and I was actually more proud of how close I was to them than how disappointed I was that I hadn't won. I mean, there's so much to get into here. I think a massive takeaway from that,
0: Ross, is is managing expectations. Yeah. You know, as you say, lining up, on the blocks as it were to 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 get in the pool and you know, you're looking across and there's michael phelps and whoever else but it wasn't a case of a defeatist attitude it was realistic as you say managing your expectations you know when you're in that position do you are, are you targeting a time in your mind based on how training has gone i mean you're not if you're not in your mind aiming to win it but you're aiming to get as close as you can close the gap do you have like a a a specific marker a measurement to know that you have or haven't hit your hit your target
1: yeah my event was 200 meters front crawl so if you think more into an olympic size swimming pool it's four lengths of of the swimming pool um i would know within 0.2 of a second over the first 50 meters of what time i would be turning in so you kind of your mind in your body so dialed in to those times that I know it and knew exactly how for me it'd be between 25 seconds and 25.2. Okay, it might be 24 or 9 to, to 25.3, uh, so there is a buffer either, either side, but I knew that I had to be in that sweet spot to then be able to finish the rest of the three lengths. Now, depending on how training had been over those uh, probably six to nine months beforehand, the training really comes in the second half of the race. So anybody can can bez out the first length. Um, but it's about doing it in a controlled manner and being in, in your sweet spot to know that you have enough in, enough in the tank to finish the last 100 metres. So, you know, I, I could have gone out in any race and I could have been winning at 100 metres. No, but it's, it's that's not the race and that's not the the idea of, of competing. So because you train and you, let's say you've trained 35 hours a week and, and you're so dialed in, you know exactly how many strokes you're going to be doing. You know um, your time to 15 metres to 25 metres to 35 metres to 50 metres and everything's just ingrained because you, you, you practice this time and time again. And then your fitness and your aerobic capacity comes in towards the last half of the race. And that's where, if you're feeling really good and you've only got two lengths to go, you can almost let it go a bit and you can really chase after it because you know you know how it should feel, you know how it is feeling. Um, and then you can really just like, almost like the paper and, and just, just go um, because you know you're going to finish and, and you, you kind of can really make it up over the last half of the race. But if you do it too soon you're going to be coming back, you know, on the bottom of the pool.
0: Have you experienced that in your running? Because it's classic with people setting off too quick. There's a famous running coach, Jack Daniels, who uh, who I admire a lot of his philosophies, and he talks about running the first uh, two-thirds of any race, really, with your with your head, you know, with logic and science and knowing what you're capable of, and then the last third with, with your heart. And, uh, of course, we can't say that's an exact science, but I think there's
1: potentially quite a lot of truth in that. Have you got it wrong? Yeah, oh, I, I don't know if I've ever got it right, you know. Um <laughs> I love you honestly. <laughs> well, I, I think the hardest event in running is is the 10K. Ten K's for me are just the absolute worst event and the killer because it's a controlled sprint for 40 to 50 minutes, or if you if you if you're good it's 30 to 35 minutes. That's not a controlled sprint. That's a that's a half an hour workout. Yeah, absolutely. And so I kind of I kind of lead towards the longer runs, and I've done three marathons. And I did my first marathon um, back in two thousand and fourteen. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, I did it with my brother, and we wanted a challenge of doing a marathon. And we we, we trained, uh, we trained very amateurly. You know, we'd go out for a run here, there, and everywhere. Yes, we were consistent in our training, but there's no science behind it. there's there's, there's no what I'd call a plan yes okay our longer runs got longer on, on the weekend but if we had to miss a week we missed a week and if we had to miss a session you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really a detailed plan what we were trying to do and um, it was the Paris Marathon and it was beautiful running along the sea and starting on the, the Champs-Élysées perfect as an amateur runner the pure goal of, of doing the marathon was to finish and the beauty for me when i was standing there i don't know if i'm actually going to finish this race or this this challenge because i've never ran this far before i don't know how it feels i don't i don't know anything about it what was the furthest you did in training Ross? uh I think it we went, went up to about 19 miles but it's 19 miles and you always knew that you could Within a couple of miles, you could be home or you could stop and you had your phone on, you, you could pick, you know, you could ring, somebody could pick you up or you could nip into a shop and get something to eat. So it was a case of, you, you just don't know. Um, and I, I kind of thought that I knew a little bit more than just the Joe, Joe public because I know how to train and know that if you're 2% dehydrated, it can affect your percent, uh, it can affect your performance by 20%. So I know all these little things. Um, but we set off and we ran together and I've got to be honest, I felt amazing. I was just running and I was looking at my watch, and it's really probably the only the second time that I'd run with a watch because normally we would just run. But somebody lent me a watch, this is how amateur it is. Somebody just lent me a watch. And so I put it on. And um I was, I was checking the watch and I was saying to my brother, you know, we're actually we're actually doing really well here. And he was like, he was starting to struggle around about 14-15 miles. And i felt amazing just running with the crowd, just trying to overtake people and uh, it got to 16 miles and i was like we've only got 10 miles left and he was like i'm 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 struggling a little bit and i was like well do you mind if i if i run on and he's like no no go go ahead and i was like right we've only got 10 miles so you know knocking them off nine miles to go eight miles to go seven miles to go six miles to go 10k left I remember thinking, oh, I'm actually now... This is, this is starting to bite 20 miles in. I got really annoyed with myself because I missed the 21-mile 21 mar- 21 marker. And I was like, oh, I'm so annoyed because now I don't know where I am in the 21st mile, so I don't know if I'm missing. Ah, so, so the, I got yeah, really annoyed with myself. trying to make those calculations. And um, I started to struggle. I was like, jeez. Oh, and then I saw this sign coming up, and I was like, Brilliant. You know here we are 22 miles so running and it was the 21st mile and i was like you are joking me i was like (laughs) i never missed it it's just this mile is is extended and from that moment on head went legs went body went and i was just like i I pushed it on for those four miles and my time had started to probably come down 10 15 seconds per mile um Mm. than what i had done for the last 16 miles i just completely blew up and it got to the point where i was at 23 24 miles um and if somebody had lifted the barrier up and said come on mate just i'll give you a lift to the finish i'd have been like yeah sure just get me out of here you know i'm, I'm done <laughs> yeah. um and across I, I the line i think i did it in 343 344 something something around that time so significantly under then even throughout you know despite the uh,
0: those last few miles yeah yeah I, th- I think there's many people listening to this, actually, Ross, will completely relate to what it feels like to run, uh, especially the first marathon. I mean, it's so, it can be such a humbling experience, and when it goes, it really goes. And it, it's classic, you people saying, oh, I don't understand what happened. I felt okay at halfway. <laughs> well, you probably will do. It's 13 miles. Yeah. You've got another 13 miles to go. It's, it's just, it's insane. I mean, I remember my first marathon was London, 2008 and clearly not at your level as an olympic standard but i was a relatively fittish guy because i was a personal trainer and i was into a bit of fitness but not really running got the opportunity to do it but it's almost like my body wasn't ready for it but i sort of cardiovascularly i was okay you know i could push myself in terms of the engine the lungs yeah. but my body just wanted to break down i mean I, I i was just in pieces when i crossed the finish line i remember actually there was colin jackson the hurdler he was with the bbc sport team and I was lying. I was salty as hell, as you can imagine. Yeah. It was quite a warm day, and i am collapsed a bit, like you, not knowing what I want. Do I need a hug? Do I need a flat coke? I don't know. I'm lying in Horse Guards Parade, and about ten meters away is Colin Jackson with the BBC Sport team. And I look up and I think that made quite a good selfie. You know that that'd be all right. I'd stick it on the uh, the Facebook profile pic. I attempted to get up, and I thought, stuff it. I'm not up. <laughs> I just I just laid back down. I thought I can't do it. Uh- can you compare that feeling that you had in, and particularly in the first one? in Paris I've not done Paris myself actually but can you compare that to anything back in the days of swimming I mean how what were the differences in in your mind between what you were doing back in the day to to
1: that experience of Paris finishing Paris in 2014 I crossed the line and I kid you not it was the most rewarding thing I've ever done so I've been to the, the Olympics three times you know I've won the Commonwealth Games twice but crossing the line in Paris in a what a to three forty three three forty four. So you can have runners here listening to this that are, are way way quicker. Um, you know, it's not a, exactly a, a good time, even though it's not a bad time. Um, that was the most rewarding achievement that I've ever achieved up until that point, and purely for the fact that I didn't know I was able to finish it.
0: That's incredible, and. I- I mean, I know what it feels like to to run marathons and get those goosebumps. And I get goosebumps from other people's stories more than from my own, listening to you now talking about how you felt and clearly how proud of yourself you were when you crossed the line. Um, And that's probably surprising... To hear to a lot of people listen to this now from from everything you've achieved. Competing for your country so many times and having I mean, such an illustrious career, but just effectively dragging yourself across the line in Paris by your own admission is 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 one of if not the biggest achievement in, in you know, one of the things that really stands out. It's incredible.
1: It comes down to the fact that um, I had to swim four lengths of the pool and I was incredibly nervous every time I stood on the blocks. But ultimately, like I said to you, I swam a million lengths. I'm not, not going to finish four lengths of the pool. Like, there's never a, never a doubt of actually, am I going to complete this? It's a, it's a case of, I'm going to complete it, but what time? And that time is all in within a couple of tenths of a second. So it's, you ultimately you know what your performance is going to be. What you don't know is how that's going to rank you in the race the fact that injury can
0: play such a big part of our success in running there's still for some people that in their mind that actually will i get through this you're talking about four lengths of the pool well you know you're going to get through that if you don't it's you could definitely say that's a bad day at the office yeah if you don't finish that event but actually the time associated is very different where where are you with injuries and what's your experience i'm hoping you don't have any experience but now you're into your running is there a is there a, a stark contrast i mean clearly you don't have the support of the water anymore we know that there's Uh, runners are a lot more injury prone than certainly
1: swimmers what's your experience so just go back towards my swimming career I didn't have any injuries a small part of it was luck but a big part of it was um self-management but with running I'm guilty as anybody I don't stretch and I don't do the things that I should do and guess what (laughs) I've got injured um and it's, it's not a case of, well, it, it running's more of an impact sport now. It's purely down to mismanagement on, on my part. I actually had a, an injury in, in October, which is why I went back to swimming, um, that my uh, cartilage in my pelvis was inflamed. And the only way that really um, could deal with it is, is rest. So I've had five months of, of rest. And it was so annoying because... The one thing I have done since finishing swimming was run and mainly to keep the weight off and to have some kind of a goal. And then when they turn around to you, you say, Right, well, you can't run for five months. A, I'm going to get fat, I'm going to be grumpy, and I've got nothing to work towards. Um, yeah,
0: you can't be eating 12,000 calories like no. uh, Michael Phelps Ross if, <laughs> well, you, well, you if you're not running, man. I tell you,
1: you can, but <laughs> it, it certainly has an impact. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a cost there, isn't yeah. there? <laughs> so, yeah, so so I did get, I did get injured. Um, but, you know, purely it was because there was an imbalance. And, you know, I hadn't been stretching and I hadn't been doing the exercises. But it's about being consistent every single day or every single session uh, and making small gains as you go through instead of just going, you know, all in on one day and then suffering the next day and then having a week off because you've got to recover um, it has to be a very, very steady upward graph of consistency over a number of weeks, months, if you want to hit what you want to do in your targeted event. People can
0: use that in all areas of life as well, can't they, Ross? I think it's absolutely on the money there, you know, that the consistency is is key anybody can relatively speaking put in one good session or one good day or eat one good meal but actually are you able to do that on a consistent regular basis and of course that doesn't mean improving every single day like you say in terms of trying to beat your 10k time each day but actually just doing some stretching on one day is leading you towards your goal isn't it that's being consistent with your training so I, i think that's awesome i have to ask this question will you make friends or enemies i don't know which is harder swimming or running Swimming,
1: definitely. You're born to walk, which then means you can run. Swimming, you have to learn a skill. Are you a member of a club, running club? Yeah. You get the guys and girls there picking your
0: brains for swimming tips. Any Anybody that's injured that thinks, right, i better get in the pool, or anybody looking to do
1: triathlons and stuff, do they, do they pick your brains? They, <laughs> they don't, actually, because I'm, I'm normally too far behind them. Um, <laughs> so, I, I tell you what, the, the most annoying people in the swimming pool, the aqua joggers. <laughs> The aqua joggers—they they take up so much space, and they go so slow, and they make so much waves. And I'm like, I don't come and swim next to you when you're running. So don't come running next to us when we're swimming. That is—that is a little bit tongue in cheek, but yeah.
0: Listen, if if there's any if there's any listeners that are aqua joggers here, <laughs> uh, please don't listen to Ross. Come back and listen to the Running with Jake podcast. Okay, we won't invite <laughs> him back. We don't want to offend you here. In, in Do all, you know what? So-
1: In all seriousness. I can see how it's a benefit, but my, swimming next to them. (laughs) No, they should just block out an hour a day just for aqua joggers. Just go go (laughs) and sort yourselves out for an hour and then don't put aqua joggers next to swimmers.
0: We need to be honest on the show, Ross. That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. There's so much technique involved in, in swimming. That I swim a little bit and a very little bit. And I'd like to be better. Do I love swimming? No, I don't. And I think the reason I don't, if I really think about it, is because I don't have a particular great level of ability. I don't think I'm very good at it. And I think that we tend to enjoy more things in life that we feel we're
1: okay at. You've hit the nail on the head a little bit. For me, I completely get it with swimming. Now, do I think swimming is the most exciting sport in the world? Definitely not. I wanted to be a footballer. I wanted to be Garolinica. I wanted Did to you? play for England, yeah. But I was useless. I was absolutely useless. Um, and I just so happened to be good at swimming. So I'd much rather be playing in front of 60,000 people than a couple of people in the stands at a swimming event. But I completely get it. In swimming the furthest you go is 25 metres or 50 metres away and then the black line on the bottom stops which basically tells you to turn around and come back and you push (laughs) off and you go the other way and I've said to you before already (laughs) I said to you before already (laughs) I swam a million lengths and guess what I got out the same place I got in I didn't go anywhere well I went 50 metres up and 50 metres back Um, and I just did that over and over again having said that I went to three Olympic Games and I'm really proud of what I achieved within those ten years. But with running, you can go somewhere. You can see something. Um, you know, you can... I went out, when I started running, I was like, I can't not run to music. I have to run to music. And it got to the point where if my headphones weren't charged up, I wouldn't go. Oh, you sacked it off! <gasps> oh. So, or, if I say, alright, I'm going, I'm going for an hour, oh, my headphones aren't charged. I charge my f- headphones for 10 minutes and go for 50 minutes. That that was the, you know, that was the level it got to. And then I started running with somebody, so I couldn't use the headphones. And then I got used to running without headphones. And it was, uh, again, another game changer. So now I kind of mix it up. I sometimes go with headphones, sometimes don't. Um, but, you know, running in the countryside, listening to the, to the birds, I get it. I, I enjoy it. But also bombing down a country road listening to a bit of abba i also get if that's your thing you know it's it's kind of you've got to mix it up and you've got to find what's um it gets you pumping and gets you to the end don't you find it's really funny because it's
0: all about headspace isn't it and I, you know boredom what is boredom after uh, we've we've uh, had this chat i'm Doing my run, I'm going to put my trainers on, and I'm going to run around the local park, and I'm doing 80 minutes. I'm probably going to cover a reasonable distance in 80 minutes. This is a relatively long run, and the park is less than a mile. And that, to some people, is, wow, how dull. But actually, it's just about where you are in your headspace. Well, some days I can't tolerate that, by the way, or Some days I'm like, no, man, I need to just, like like yourself, put music on, need to go and do a big circular route or whatever. And Martina, my girlfriend, will talk about this. She'll say, oh, sometimes I get bored doing easy runs the same route. And I'm like, but you do like length after length after length in the <laughs> yeah. pool. And she's like, yeah, but I love it. It's the feel of the water and blah blah blah. And it's because of where she is in her
1: head. You can always spot the plaster in the pool, can't you? You can, you can always race it as you're going along the bottom of the pool. you so <laughs> have seen that plaster before. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, with but it. I never win. It is just about being active and being fit and, and clearing your mind. But one thing, one thing I did also want to say is that you know a lot of people, and I hear it a lot, and I used to say it but the sacrifices. So you talk about the food or, yeah, well, I want to do a marathon and, you know, I've sacrificed going out, having 10 pints with my mates because I've got to get up and go for a run on Saturday and the sacrifice, I'm not prepared to do those sacrifices. Well, for me, and, you know, I hear, I hear high-level swimmers do it now, but they're saying, yeah, swimming's tough. There's a lot of sacrifices. Got to be in bed early. do to do this, that and the other. Until you, until you realise that those sacrifices are choices, it's always going to hinder you. And you choose to do a marathon or you choose to do a 10K and you want to target and do your best time. It's your choice. No one, no one's forcing you to do it. So you make the right choices along the way and it no longer is a sacrifice. And, uh, you know, I used to say to myself, swimming's a tough sport, the sacrifices you had to make. And I only realised this after I finished, but do you know when there was a McDonald's sat there and there was an apple and I used to choose the apple and I think, oh, I sacrificed having a McDonald's. No, I I could have had the McDonald's. Nobody had a gun to my head saying you can't do it. You know, I chose the apple because I thought that was the right choice at the time for my swimming career. Now, again, it comes back to stretching. I actually choose not to stretch because I can't be bothered to do it, but they, it, there will be some consequences down the line. And That's my choice. It's not a case of, oh, I've got to sacrifice 30 minutes of my time. No, I I choose not to do it. As soon as you realise that life is all about choices, and the people that are most successful in life are the ones that generally make the right choices at the right time, then I think people can lose that chip off the shoulder that, Oh, yeah, but I I lose three hours on a Saturday because I go on a long run and I sacrifice this. So many takeaways
0: from this, Ross, that we will be uploading to the show notes page, which is runningwithjeg.com forward slash podcast. If you are out there running at the moment, doing your long run and you're thinking, I can't write all this stuff down. This is awesome. I need to remember it. We will be uploading that. But absolutely the power of choice it's a decision and if you get that in your head it just changes things a little bit it's no longer becomes a sacrifice i love it where are you going with this uh, ross what are your what's your vision have you got uh, aspirations to run more marathons different events what are you doing
1: i want to do i want to do a marathon i said earlier i want to do a marathon i want to do it really well i want to cross that line knowing that's that's me two years ago i signed up to do an iron man um, we got injured last year, so I deferred it to this year. Then, obviously, with everything that's going on this year, it's now been deferred to next year. So it's the longest um, Ironman preparation ever. Um, <laughs> but that's that's something that um, that I have pencilled in for next year. What do you like on the bike? Because you're going to smash it if you're only good on two wheels. I, I, like, I like riding, having a cycle ride with a picnic and going to the shops on my bike. Going for a four-hour bike ride? <laughs> no. In the winter? It's just the same. But it's carb gels you need to take with you instead oh, of,
0: like, sandwiches on the picnic. Ross, you're welcome back on the show anytime. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. We'll let you crack on with the rest of the day. No doubt you need to have a 12,000-calorie lunch and then a spot of aqua jogging this afternoon in the pool, so we'll let you,
1: we'll let you crack on with Unfortunately, the pools are still closed, and I think, Bar- <laughs> yeah. I, think I heard Boris say oh. that aqua joggers are a band forever. <laughs>
0: An official announcement. Ross, it's been a pleasure. Listen, you have a great rest of the day. Have an awesome week. Catch up soon. Cheers,
1: Jake. See you later. For the show notes
2: and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast and follow
0: us on social media. Right, I'm ready to answer another one of your questions. It is hashtag Ask Jake. Now, Sarah has just started doing a little bit of off-road running and she wants to know whether she needs to invest in a pair of specific trail shoes. Okay, so there's a few things to consider here, Sarah. First of all, let's look at what trail shoes are designed for. So uh, the materials that are often used to construct these shoes are a little bit more resilient and robust and they can withstand a little bit more of a a hammering than than standard road shoes. Uh, But also, one of the main reasons is the grip. So it gives you a little bit more grip and therefore confidence. Hopefully you can stay upright a little bit longer when you are running off-road. But of course, not all off-road routes are created equal. So if you are running kind of of light compact trails, the necessity for having some seriously kind of grippy off road shoes is, is not quite as high as it would be if you were running uh, some serious off road routes, maybe sort of marsh fields, real boggy ground, maybe really rocky, lumpy, and bumpy, and in, in, in like some beautiful national parks that we've got around the country so you need to kind of consider those things and also the time of year if for example you're running through the summer months and again you're just running on some light trails then actually your normal running shoes your normal road shoes will be more than fine if you're running through the winter when you could end up slipping and sliding then having a proper pair of trail shoes will be a good investment and it will give you a bit more confidence i hope that helps if you have a question you know the score it's hashtag Ask Jake. That brings us to the end of today's show. This has been your weekly dose of running motivation. It's been great to have you company. I hope you are enjoying the podcast as much as we are enjoying producing them for you. Don't forget to subscribe using your mobile app. Have a super rest of the day. Have a great week. And we will see you back here next Wednesday for more running madness. Oh, and before I forget, I have one more thing to say. Victory belongs to those who believe in it the most and believe in it the longest.